Hello and welcome to Cine Drunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol. Brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm your host Matt, joined by Nathan. Hello. And Elizabeth. Hi. And we're finally back. And we're finally back. And I first off just want to lodge a complaint that this is a podcast with two men and one woman and I'm somehow always third in the introduction, but what? I'm just going left to right. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Actually, we're here. I never saw that coming from you. I couldn't resist, you know. (laughs) Me too, guys. Um, That sounds like I'm making light of this movement. I'm not. Um, what we're really here to do is uh, give our reactions to the Oscar nomination. Yes, it's a holiday today. It is a high holiday, Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Christmas morning, Oscar Bless nominations. You, everyone. Um, and do you have a, a beverage you would like to talk about, Nathan? Yeah, so I have this wine here that I am not educated enough to talk about, nor am I in the frame of mind to talk about it. But I will say that I purchased it at this lovely little shop in New York called Moore Brothers. And they are the nerdiest crew of wine salespeople I've ever met. And for that, I love them. And I recommend checking out one of their several locations uh, for a guaranteed good bottle of wine at all price points. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, Not more sisters, though. Ugh. I know. I'm telling I know. you, it's everything brother- is... Yeah stacked against us well they have this rule where they don't hire women either (laughs) (laughs) just kidding well speaking speaking of which though i have to say this is actually i mean we're not quite equal yet but this was actually a fairly decent year for women with the the oscar noms yeah in the oscars yeah well oh yeah yes (laughs) Yes. to clarify listen it's gonna be a while before it's a good year for women but (laughs) (laughs) let's not get into that let's keep it positive for Oscars, relatively well, and if we start off the top with the Best Picture noms, six of the nine films have female producers. They do. So, uh, so the nominees, uh, we once again had nine nominees for Best Picture, which I think is a little strange. I, w- I want to know how the math works out, and I want them to either just go back to five, or really, I want them to go back to ten, because then when uh, the voters have to choose their or rank their Best Picture choices... Instead of five, they have to rank ten, and that's when we got years where there were more female-directed films. Yeah. There were animated films. There were foreign films. Yeah. Or maybe not in those two years, but we've had foreign films since then. Uh, but that's more where we're going to get the diversity, is if they have to rank ten, then they're going to be like, hey, this is my favorite foreign film. Maybe a documentary could finally get in. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know how the math keeps working out to do eight or because nine. Because they'll be like, listen, this women's picture clearly isn't in the top five, but it's, but it's a six nine. But it's six or seven, right. <laughs> so for the Oscar noobs, can you quickly explain what you mean by having to rank ten versus how it's So it when they're... Filling out their nominations ballot for what they thought was the best of the year, they only have spaces for five movies for best picture. So they rank their top five, you know, any films, probably whatever they were in first, and then four actual good movies after that. Um, But in the two years when there was a guaranteed 10 nominees, so 2009 and 10, Mm -hmm. they had to rank 10. And both years we got animated films, Uh, Up and Toy Story 3. We got. You know, kids are all right, and Winter's Bone, and yeah. um, there's more, but an education. So yeah, now they're in this weird math of anywhere from five to ten. They only rank five, and so we get a lot more things that are like Darkest Hour, you know, just kind of like right. middling Oscar bait e stuff. Right. But so the nine nominees for Best Picture were Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, 
Ladybird, uh, Phantom, Phantom Thread. Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. I think seven of those were pretty much sure things with the top five all season pretty much being Shape of Water, Three Billboards, Dunkirk, Lady Bird, and Get Out. Yeah. And then Call Me By Your Name and The Post seemed for sure like they would have enough number one votes. Mm-hmm. Though The Post only got one other nomination, so clearly it just did not connect in the way that we might have thought it would. Um, but I think the ones that narrowly missed were probably The Big Sick, which is a bummer. Yeah. Florida Project, maybe. Uh, and I, Tanya, which did get in some other places. Right. Um, but I think the support. real surprise for all of us, was Phantom Thread. Which I think we're all delighted by. Yeah, it's a awesome. beautiful movie. I'm right? really excited. I mean, and it was a movie I was not excited to see. The trailer, for any of you who feel hesitation because the trailer looks like something you've seen a million times before and is uninteresting, it is not that movie. No, not and at all. you shouldn't see it because what a treat and a treasure and a surprise it was. It's a gem, and it was one of those late releases. So, I mean, the reason lots of people weren't predicting it, though... I just shout out Nathan. You were predicting it. Yeah, I know. I knew. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Shrug. I this, um... <laughs> you are more in touch with the Oscar voters than divination was my it's his best demographic. subject. <laughs> divination, yes. Well, and I have to. But say it was such me... a late release that yeah. you know, I didn't really get the precursor support or really build that momentum. But it was probably peaking right as voters had their nomination ballots. Right. Like. Well, especially since it's like Daniel Day Lewis and supposedly his last performance, and P. T. Anderson is the type of thing that like. They actually, I'm sure, watched their screeners and they were getting their screeners right when they were voting. Yeah. As opposed to other things that are late breaking that maybe just don't get watched. I'm sure people are like, well, we should watch this because it's Paul Thomas Anderson and right. Daniel Taylor. Which probably pushed, similarly, The Post, I think, was also released the same day or the same week. Right. That probably, with Spielberg, Streep, Hanks, that would have been pushed to the top of my screener ballot. Right. My screener pile, but I guess people just didn't. Well... So the only reason I put Phantom Thread in, actually, or the main reason, was because I knew, or I had this feeling that I knew that The Big Sick would not be nominated, mm-hmm. and uh, I just could not picture it, uh, given the type of movie it is. I mean, I know we have Lady Bird in there, which is amazing. Yes. That that made it, but The Big Sick was earlier in the year, it was even lighter, or... Like rom-com. I mean, in some ways, or more, yes. uh, I don't know, more mainstream of a comedy in some... Like, yeah, that's yeah. true. Blockbuster comedy type ways, which is no knock to the film, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that The Big Sick, I'm jumping to a different category, but I'm very happy that it got in for the screenplay, screenplay, which yes. means Kumail and... Emily are both nominated, yep. which is amazing and deserved. And uh, right, yeah. I mean, it's also this thing where, like, I mean, ex- excluding Jordan Peele, who we'll get to, but like, this is Kumail and Emily V. Gordon's like first movie <laughs> that they've written, and for it to be their first script mm-hmm. feature film to have been in the conversation all season, and then also like actually managed to get that one Oscar nom, and it is the nom for them like they wouldn't have been a part of it Mm -hmm. if it had gotten for Mm -hmm. best picture you know that wouldn't have been for them like that's pretty damn impressive that is a good run for a little indie fairly conventional rom-com amen if you haven't seen it it's streaming on amazon check it out for sure i'd also just like to point out that like in addition to six female producers being on those nine best pictures it's actually pretty evenly split four very clearly with male leads Four, I would argue, are clearly female leads. And then Phantom Thread, I would say, is equally male and female lead. Like, mm-hmm. she's just as important as Daniel Day-Lewis in that film. Which is pretty wild to have... Pretty rare. Four and a half be female 
straightforward narratives. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a sniff <laughs> and a whiff of equality. No, I mean, this is what I mean by this. Yeah. You're actually being like, for the Oscars, decenter. <laughs> decenter. These are the nice things we could have, people. Yeah. <laughs> Take true. note. Yes. And just the fact that, again, with besides like the post and the darkest hour, none of these are super Oscar-y movies. No, they've kind of been rejecting that maybe it's the new class of voters like you know they've had this whole diversity initiative where they've been you know they used to have like a cap on how many were in the academy they've blown way past that in the past few years to be much more vigilant about including women and minorities and especially a global scale you know inviting people from other countries filmmakers and actors and crafts people from other countries right my only question about that serious question is Mm -hmm. what were the movies that were this year more Oscar baity that didn't get in? Because I feel like part of it, at least, well, no, I, they're still that getting better. That, that's true. There that wasn't more a, movies a, are getting funded that are interesting that's like true. this in a Hopefully. way. That, yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, that is true that there wasn't as much. It doesn't seem like, but it also might be just because a lot of those movies came and went because they weren't very good. Yeah, and right. none of them connected. They're not early in the conversation, and anymore. I'm not like they're... pushing them out of my brain. Right. <laughs> Um, let's get into Best Director, which I think we were all Woo-hoo! pretty happy with. So happy. This category. So um, the nominees for that um, each have a represented Best Picture nominee. Uh, you've got Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Christopher Nolan finally got his first nomination for Director for Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele got in for his debut, Get Out. Paul Thomas Anderson snuck in there with the unexpected Phantom Thread, Love, and Thank the Lord, praise Jesus. Greta Gerwig got in for so Lady Bird. Glad. Only the fifth female director nominee, and the first since Catherine Bigelow won in 2009, which is just crazy. Uh, but super well deserved, not just like token nominees. I think all five of those are yes. really great directorial achievements, and I was really worried that besides Del Toro and Nolan, that Gerwig, Peel, even Anderson, they're all kind of writers. Yeah. For, I mean, maybe not so much Anderson, but McDonough, yeah. Martin McDonough, who did not get in for three billboards, which. The three of us are very happy about. about. Yes. Oh, P.S. Three Billboards is a garbage movie. <laughs> it's yeah. this year's. I was talking about it with a, a colleague today at work because he asked me what I thought of it, and I kind of went off on it while also Trill's trying to be like, "Well, I don't want to tell you what to think about it if you do see it, but it's garbage, and this is why." Blah 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 blah. So I was not very good at <laughs> trying to be unbiased towards it, and he was like, "The last time I've seen you this upset about a movie was." Whiplash and God, I hated uh, that, and he hated Whiplash as much as I did. And I was like, God three billboards is totally this year's Whiplash, and that people mm-hmm. love it, and In a I lot of ways. do not understand why, and I'm baffled by it. That's fair. anyway. I, I for me, like it's Whiplash. It's but... almost like La La Land, but much more extreme because I didn't hate La La Land, <laughs> <laughs> but just, I was. I, befuddled yeah. by the at least love. with yeah. usually with movies that are winning all these or like well and when it got ed- in for editing which like what is the editing in three billboards uh, I, I i had that like third i know I but still like why especially you over... would vote for it. no it's just one of movies that high up for best picture it, it's bound to get it's in lazy for voting. yeah but, but and it got in for the carter rural score and so i was like oh it's definitely he's definitely in for director and i love that he is not i know so I hopefully that means seen... it won't win a fantastic woman, but I know that should have been nominated for editing if it was eligible. Of course, yeah, it, it would have been. It had a US release. Like, it had a qualifying rules, release last year. You can tell from the trailer that's better 
edited than... Oh, I'm sure there were a hundred movies <clears throat> better Oh, yeah, edited no. Than <laughs> we're I mean, still also, a long like, list. If you want to just say Get Out, which is a horror... Like, that was the miss. Yeah, a that's horror one of my film, which is like a lot of that is in the editing. So well edited. Oh, of course, and the pacing. And it's, I, mean, I mean, everything it's about it that's a, I mean, I would say the same thing, too, actually, more so Lady Bird than Three Billboards, because so much of that, the, you know, the comedy is in the editing, and it's so well done. But I'm so delighted that Greta and Jordan Peele got in. Mm-hmm. It's also a category which is with the exception of Paul Thomas Anderson who's only been nominated once before. Really? It's all newbies. Which is the third year in a row that that's happened. Yeah. Which is exciting. Because Meaning means four out of five? Four out of five are first time director nominated. Yeah. Which the last ex- year you had Mel Gibson repeat which vomit. Let's not <laughs> bring that up again. And then the year before in Yardy 2. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. They're, so that's awesome. Because it think, means that we're, and like I said, this is the first time two years in a row there have been black men nominated in Best Director. Yep. And like Greta being the fifth female, Jordan Peele's only the fifth black, black director. Yeah. And So for someone like me who doesn't have a brain or a memory, <laughs> yes. um, who was the black man last year? Barry Jenkins. Jenkins. Oh my God. For movie, yeah, that's, of course. That's embarrassing that I forgot that. But No, not at all. No. Also, because Barry Jenkins was not a producer on Moonlight, and this is really exciting, Jordan Peele is the first black man to ever be nominated for directing, producing, and writing all in the same year. And Yay. only the third person to be nominated for, in all those categories for their debut film well, after Warren Beatty say. and Heaven Can Wait. And, um, oh no, who's the other one? Oh, I'll have to look it up. My, my, this wine is getting to me. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, pretty, speaking of like, you know, for Camille Nanjiani. Oh, it was James L. Brooks for Terms of Endearment. Mm. Ooh, speaking of, uh, you know, Camille Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon were like, for their first film, it's a really big achievement that they got that screenplay nod. I mean, for this to be Jordan Peele's first film and a horror comedy satire a horror comedy one that is confrontational about race and not in a way that is like meant palatable. to pander yeah. to white people mm-hmm. yeah like and it was released in february in february like before the oscars last year and it got into best actor yeah like everything about the success that's why like even though i know i'm gonna be mad when it's quite possible because martin mcdonough will win for that awful screenplay that jordan peele will probably go zero for any of the noms for Get Out. But honestly, like, the fact that it got as many as it did and the fact that he is, like, making history just with these nominations for his first film. Amazing. And the fact a genre that, film. Like, it's incredible. And the fact that it's so deserved when we yeah. were talking yeah. about so many Oscar films in the past. Right. Just kind of being, like, good enough. Right. But, like you're saying, this one is pushing boundaries and yeah. just electrifying to watch yeah amen let's bank through the acting categories yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, as you mentioned daniel kaluuya the lead of get out got Jeff in for um, best so actor pleased. daniel day lewis got in for phantom thread so timothy pleased. chalamet got in for call me so by your pleased. name gary oldman of course got in for darkest hour which had a pretty unexpected yeah showing and you know picture and lots of tech categories uh and then that fifth spot which was kind of presumed to be james franco and they could have gone to Tom Hanks. I wish they had gone to Jake Gyllenhaal. They went to Denzel Washington. Why not? I, for a I, fake movie. I, in my notes, for a fake movie. For, for Roman J. <laughs> J. Israel, Israel Esquire. Esquire. As I was writing down, like, quickly this morning as they were being announced, next to his initials, I just wrote, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but good for him. And he, he and Octavia Spencer, who was nominated for Supporting Actress, both have back-to-back... Noms, yeah. Noms. And Meryl Streep. 
Yeah. You know, I don't well, know. Meryl Streep is not surprising. Right, that happens like back, all the time. Back, 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 back. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know the numbers and the the trivia of it. But to me, Octavia Spencer and Denzel Washington are approaching the territory of like a Judy Dench, or a Hel- or I mean, obviously not a Meryl Streep because no one's that. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah. I'm very happy that those you know yeah. those two are well denzel a go-to for an oscar nomination even if it's not necessarily yeah. their best performance yeah. like yeah. it's denzel better than better easily, than alternatives yeah denzel's now easily the most nominated black performer oh yeah he already was this is his eighth was, nomination i think oh i think he's in the wow. top 10 for most nominations, most nominations. Yeah. i mean eight is a huge for an number. actor or yeah, yeah. for an actor because yes. like there's john right. williams right. Right. Obviously. Right. No, for, in the acting categories and then octavia spencer is now tied for the most nominations ever for a black woman with viola davis <gasps> with three yep oh. but all within the last decade and she's still the only woman to have won an oscar a black woman to have won an oscar and then and been then be nominated, nominated afterwards and now yeah. she's done so twice though i expect viola davis will be back so she won on her first no. yes she did i'm so pleased for because she also when she won that for the help was very much like this like character actress who everybody in the industry has worked for this is the first time she's really gotten any sort of meaty role and she took it all the way like it's right it's the story that like we which love. is usually That's like a why, one-off Right, and that's why when she won, like, she got a standing ovation because people were just so happy to see this, like, everyday working man's mm-hmm. actress win. And then now she's, like, <laughs> a perennial, and yeah, I she's, love she's it. Our, this she's like generation's who, Thelma Ritter. She's, I like, who it. you want in your Oscar film. Right, and yeah. I, apparently the, I've, I've heard that she... Well, yeah, I mean, I love that all three of her nominations have come from Best Picture nominees, yeah. too, which might win this year with Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, but I love... Uh, she's apparently... Very, very personable, and she works the, the circuit. Room. Yeah, and, right. When Octavia comes I and like sh- can see. shakes hands with you, she's like beloved. Yep, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Denzel Washington got that that last spot. I don't think Franco's missing was due too much to his recent sexual assault allegations. No, there's been a lot of that talk because again, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is still the front runner. <clears throat> Choked his wife in front of his kids. I think it's just um, more so the. The Disaster Artist being not a film that the Academy or yeah. still kind of stuffy would ever go for. Yeah, it's I like think a that's... Thank God, because I don't go for it either. Right. I didn't even fine. see it. That screenplay nod was like the most it could hope for, realistically, I think. Yeah, that's fair. It's oh. such a... I mean, it's such a bizarre film. I liked it because I've seen The Room and it's like a pretty spot on... Impersonation. Impersonation and like it was fun. But if you don't have that, it's definitely like a niche. Right. You know. It's yeah. like an SNL performance yeah. for a couple hours right. that I don't think the Academy was ever going to go for. But there was definitely an open slot. There were better options, I think. But <laughs> Denzel Washington, why not? Whatever. He's That's not going to win. Like, we right. know who's going to win anyways. Why not get him and his, like, grumpy reaction shots in the audience? <laughs> yes. I'm into it. Um, and now I have to see that movie, which is the only bummer. Yeah, me too. It's the only one I haven't seen. Um, but Best Actress kind of coalesced into, like, the five that got nominated yeah. early on, like I never once changed my predictions from September, no. which is too bad because it was a super competitive year for best actress, yeah. at least for quality films that have a female protagonist, which four of those five have a best picture nominee yeah. attached to them, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you had, of course, Frances McDormand for three billboards, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya. Those were all kind of locked in. And then some people were wavering on Meryl Streep in the post, but I'm glad she got it. Me too. I mean, this is, this is, I'm not mad about this lineup. No. I, I don't want Frances McDormand to win, which as we've discussed many times in, even in September, when it seemed like 
Frances McDormand was a front runner, and Sam Rockwell was a front runner, and Allison Janney was a front runner. I was like, I can't wait for this Oscar season because I love all three of them, and now I don't want any of the three of them to win. I know three of my favorite actors, truly, <laughs> yes. but who like not giving my favorite performances? But still, yeah. like, I'm not mad about her being in the category, and this is a strong lineup. I mean, as it's I've great. said, Meryl Streep, this is my favorite Meryl performance, and easily maybe this century. It's pretty amazing. It's- She's. Yeah. Terrific. Gold caftan and all. And I am and no Meryl apologist. I am a little bit. And I'm, sorry, I'm not. Sorry. I'm often much more critical of her. And especially when I often feel she's taking a slot from a more interesting actress. That's like true. Last year, like, there could have been a more interesting actress than her for that. Wait, what was she even in last year? Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh my god. Whatever. <laughs> she's yeah, really see, good. But no, but see, that's a like, not, not necessary nomination. Yeah, like, the post, I, I like, her, perf- I think I was telling you, like, my number one, my pick would be Saoirse. I mean, we'll get to it, I guess, when we do the cinema and she's more, Love but, like, my competing for number two this year for female performances are Sally and Meryl. Mm-hmm. Love it. She knocked it out of the park. Her 21st nomination. Yep. And as I was saying to Elizabeth earlier, Saoirse and Margot are the only two female actresses nominated, well, actress, female actors nominated this year under the age of 40. Yeah, which is the amazing. The eight are over 40. It's amazing. It's amazing. Moving on, so, so should we just do Best Supporting Actress then, since we're already kind of there and we Great. talked about... Yeah. Um, so, obviously, um, Laurie Metcalf and Allison Janney got in. It's been sort of neck and neck between the two of them. And then it was kind of up in the air who else would get in, but it ended up being Octavia Spencer, as mentioned. Mary J. Blige, who a lot of people were not sure about because of the whole Netflix of it all. Mm-hmm. But she was very good. And the Mary J. Blige of it all. Right. right? That's true. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Or has she done many movies? No, not really. Not really. I mean, Rock of Ages, she was probably close. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. Um, but then the big surprise, I mean, it was... So again, Nathan predicted it. Nathan predicted it because he is the same as an old white male, straight white male. Mm-hmm. Same, same minds. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, that I think we're all super delighted about, which was Leslie Manville for for Phantom for Thread. For Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Cyril. I love, 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 loved her performance in another year. So I'm going to pretend that this is for that. I don't love her as much as the internet seems to love her in Phantom she Thread. She doesn't but have she's, as much to do. Nor do I. She doesn't. I just but love her. I love her. Yeah. And so. as I shocked Elizabeth with some, a bit of trivia like an hour ago, Leslie Manville has a son with her ex-husband Gary Oldman. Oh my goodness. Who got to wake up to both of his parents being Oscar nominees today. Isn't that wild? Oh. Yep. And then he left her and the young baby for Uma Thurman. Well. As you do. As you do. I guess. And he has been married five times, as we learned. Yep. But he maybe wow. only choked one of them, so good for so you. So here's an Oscar. Um, I think the big snub in supporting actress, though again, with Allison Janney and Itania and Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird hogging the wins and the yeah. number one votes this year, it was kind of a toss-up between who else would get in. Holly Hunter that. did get a lot of precursor support. She was SAG nominated for The Big Sick, and it, that would have been a really great nomination. Yeah. Um, but she already has an Oscar on her mantle, so you can't be too mad. Yeah. Um, and then there was a lot of talk that maybe Hong Chow would get in for downsizing, which was clearly a which movie I that knew. no one loved. But Nathan right. was very... That was his one adamant... I would have bet my life. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one cares about downsizing. It didn't get received well whatsoever. So there's that. Plus, she's an Asian actress who, you know, even in the best of circumstances, would have an uphill battle. Yeah. As far as, I mean, again, I don't know the trivia of it. Oscar really does not like nominating Asian actors. Yeah, like, you know. Even less so Asian men, but yeah. Yeah. 
So, but I also didn't see the movie, so... Well, and there was a lot of things, like, people didn't like the movie, and there was a lot of question about whether or not her performance was kind of problematic, through no fault of her own, but the film forced her to have an accent, which then she says she, you know, she based on her parents, she based it on her mother's, mm-hmm. but still, like... Right, because she does Alexander it. Payne made her have a strong accent, and which she's basically Asian the... performers are, like, kind of over having to have accents and things. And yeah. She's, like, the poor woman who, like, essentially teaches the white, privileged white male how to, like, Love care about Love and people. care, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, she is very good, and hopefully this leads to some other stuff, because she's also... She seems super cool. She was really great in, um, speaking of P.T. Oh, Anderson, in Inherent, oh, in Inherent Vice. Vice, that's right. She does all yeah, the, yeah. like, over, all the narration over it, and then she has, like, a couple of scenes. Didn't She's Joanna Newsome do the narration? For the trailer. Oh, you're right, for the trailer. Oh, okay, maybe not. I don't remember. You know, you're right, but Hong Chao was in it, and she's great. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't have to have an accent. Anyhow, the other supporting actress who was definitely in the mix, who missed, is poor Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip. And I only say poor Tiffany Haddish. I don't think she necessarily deserve the nomination yeah. but that would have been super a super cool get um she had to announce the nominations this morning with andy circus and that was such a tacky move on the oscars part yeah do not have someone who is clearly in the mix to get a nomination announce it was although, such a weird like globes move although i will say that she was fun and i yeah. need someone to green light like an oddball rom-com with her and andy circus because they were real <laughs> playing all together. sorts of inanimate objects Andy great circus yeah yeah i'm here for no, it no they were real fun together and he was like very playful with her but like well clearly or they'll do another play. king kong with him as kong and her as yes! the fey ray Ooh, which would be really interesting since of course there is like a whole racial aspect to the fact that king kong mm. is sort of representative of the scary black man Ooh. and he's going after the blonde woman i mean there's a lot of problems with king kong in general so that would be a good Upending. <laughs> also, just to say, she couldn't pronounce like half the names, which oh, normally no. would irritate me, but I didn't care because she's delightful. No. But the best part was she couldn't say Daniel Kaluuya's name, and it, she did it as Daniel Kaluuya. Yep. <laughs> which is how I now want to say his name from now on is Kaluuya. I'll accept Amen. that. I'm into as it. A pronunciation. Um. So, best supporting actor is the other one that we haven't talked about. Why Woody Harrelson and? Even more, and I love you, but why Christopher Plummer? Yeah. Those clearly should yeah, have gone to the what? Call Me By Your Name men. Absolutely. But the Let's... rounding out the category you had, of course, Sam Rockwell and Three Billboards and Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project were sort of the front runners. Sam Rockwell probably being the, the leader. Mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Which I wish I'm he so was glad. more the leader over both was... of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Woody Harrelson got in for Three Billboards because apparently actors just can't get enough of that movie, which I don't understand. And him. And him, that's he's true. He's the Matthew McConaughey of... I like it. I mean, he's a charming guy, and he's good, and he's fine in the, the movie, too, but, but we just didn't like the movie. It's so also just an annoying rough. part. Like, he's in it for a short time, and then he just does annoying voiceovers, and because of the way the film is structured, like, his character is never interrogated when he probably should be. It's yeah. just bizarre. And then the Christopher Plummer of it all, I mean, I think it's fascinating that he did less that than three months ago, right. that did not exist like that performance did not exist right and it already was shot and edited and post-production and released and boom you get an oscar nomination part of why he got nominated but also i feel like it's it's, oh let's give a nod to the me too movement by you know recognizing a man who (laughs) like filled in for a pedophile 
Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Go watch Michael Stuhlbarg's speech from Call Me By Your Name at the end, and you'll see that he was snubbed for... Yeah, everything. I think Stuhlbarg and Hammer probably ate into each other's... Votes. Votes, and just... It was such a weird category all season, uh, probably because Rockwell and Defoe were just hogging Steam, the limelight, but yeah. the fact that Christopher Plummer was really the only one to amass enough support is bizarre when you had clearly voters like Lady Bird and Tracy Letts is freaking amazing oh. in Not it. to mention he's probably the standout of the supporting cast of The Post, too. Like right. He's and he's like another work. Like a lot of this category all year has been like, you know, Richard Jenkins, Willem Dafoe, Sam Rockwell, these yeah. like under-rewarded character actors who people are like those people that you're like, oh, that guy, I yeah. love him. Well, Wait, are you talking about Carrie Coon's husband? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the one. Right, just making sure. <laughs> and father of her future child. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like Michael Stolbark, it's not that he couldn't get that nomination considering he is in three of the best A third of the best pick nominees. There he is. But also Ray Romano in The Big Sick. Like, if that was going to be a thing for Holly Hunter, it should have happened. But Christopher Plummer is now the oldest acting nominee ever. I'm just relieved that Richard Jenks didn't get pushed out. Because I also think that 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 role... I mean, partly in the script, which is real great. And we can get to script in a second, I suppose. But, um, you know, it could be like closeted gay man. Like who's the main character's best friend. Like, on... Oh, yeah, there's lots of types on in the page, Shape of Water. On the page, it but, seems like that should... It's, you're like, ugh, this is going to be so offensive. But both the script and then his performance, it's he's given such a full life and character and it's sensitive and beautiful and even the restrictions of his closeted... Like, we see him as a sexual man with urges, but mm-hmm. we see why we don't get to see them acted out because of the time period in which they live in. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's all these really, like, beautiful moments. So I'm just really glad that Richard Jenkins is still got in. He's also really fucking funny in that movie. Oh, he's great. A performance that, again, could have been, like, sad, tragic, gay neighbor. Right. And, it's and Octavia not Spencer, too, is also, like, oh, yeah. not to type, but I'm glad they both got in. They, they acted the heck out of it. They deserved it. The script had respect for them. Um, so I guess, speaking of which, original screenplay was a bloodbath. This year, there it was, but I'm happy so with the many. five. I mean, knowing that three billboards kind of had to get in or was a front runner, yeah, I'm glad that, of course, Get Out got in for Jordan Peele, Lady Bird for Greta Gerwig, The Big Sick, as we mentioned, for um, Emily B. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. You knew Martin McDonough was getting in for three billboards, and then The Shape of Water did get in there yeah. uh, for Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor. But then you also had kind of lurking that I thought the writer's branch might go for. I, Tanya, which... Eh, we'll I'm see. glad that didn't get in. Um, the Post could have gotten in if they really were more enamored of the film or you know leaning more traditional and then i'm i guess a little surprised that phantom thread did as well as it did and they didn't nominate paul thomas anderson who they've the writer's branch at least in the past has really gone for it's also though an original screenplay i mean two of them are co-writing credits but three of the five have female nominees on them the big sip shape of water and ladybird yeah the writer's branch usually does pretty well with writers so as long as they keep writing last year last year it only had the one that's true which was sucky Moving on. <laughs> Adapted screenplay was also kind of a bizarre category because you really have James Ivory, who at 89 years old could be the oldest acting or oldest Oscar winner yeah. ever when he hopefully and presumably wins for Call Me By Your Name. Because yep. then besides that film, the category was just, you know, all the best picture hopefuls were in original screenplay this year, which is pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, but then you got uh, Mudbound got in there, Molly's Game for Aaron Sorkin, The Disaster Artist, as we mentioned, and then... 
Logan becomes the first, you know, comic book movie to get nominated for writing, which I was predicting Wonder Woman just in like a, who knows, throw my arms up in the air. This would be a nice get for the movie, which got no nominations. I did predict Logan, but instead of Mudbound, just because I was really convinced that they would have like a Netflix aversion as they have in past years. Which I'm delighted because Dee Rees becomes only the second woman of color, well, black woman, to be nominated in a writing category. Mm-hmm. So, go for you, Dee Rees. And at least she's also, like, personally getting a nomination for that film, which she also directed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so instead of Mudbound, I had Wonder. Well, yeah, Wonder was definitely in the mix. Yeah. It got the Critics' Choice nomination, and it got in for uh, makeup and yeah. hairstyling. Which, well done. Um, so those are, like, the big ones. Do we want to talk through some of our, like... I think the only th- other things I had, you know, for things I was not so happy about, as we mentioned, Get Out, not getting into editing, I think that would yeah. have been a deserved nomination. And when it didn't get nominated... Oh, briefly, just... So the the nominations announcement... I know last year I really didn't like, you know, the two, like, <gasps> video segment crap things they did. This year I, I loved, loved this it. Year. Ooh, especially the so Michelle cool. Yeoh one. Yeah, with the yeah, visual yeah. effects where she was underwater, underwater and then it was just her sitting on the chair that was so good yeah, yeah. I also I loved the one I didn't watch oh no you're all to watch it yeah it's good um, I online. also liked that it was all women yep all actresses all, all actresses in the past I love the it started off with the Gal Gadot that one was um, so good especially when they take like, a teacup at the oh, end it's super good I loved that yeah, and then too. I just didn't love that it was Tiffany Haddish and Andy Serkis who was I guess in, in some way in the conversation because he had a Planet of the Apes movie right. this year and he should have a honorary oscar at this point for all his um motion capture i do work. feel like they have bestie chemistry though like potential oh, I liked it, bestie for sure. chemistry oh, again, for a movie i want them yeah. in a movie together they were Amen. cute especially too because it's usually if they kind of split the differences here if it's not those like video packages it's usually the president of the academy and like one young actress who's been nominated or won before right and when it came up and the president of the academy i forget his name at the moment I was like, oh, you are super not charismatic. I'm no, glad no. you are not announcing Which things he knows. this morning. He's like, I'm a cinematographer. Yep. He's, yep. He's like, <laughs> and the nope, president, goodbye. Not happening. Um, I was also super shocked that in both the other feature categories, besides those picture, documentary and foreign film, the presumed front runners didn't get didn't in. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't super surprising that in the fade, the German film with Diane Kruger, which has won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice, didn't get in. Um, but then what I would have said for sure were the two leading documentary contenders in Cities of Ghosts or City of Ghosts and Jane, the one about Jane Goodall, mm-hmm. didn't get in. That was kind of surprising. Um, Ooh, I did see, what is like, what is it? Island something? Strong Island. Strong Island. Yancey Ford. Yeah, which is the first uh, trans woman to be nominated. Trans filmmaker, trans at filmmaker. least. Because, um, yeah. Oh, right, because the musician the a couple musician years ago. Couple years ago who, Anoni. Anoni was Oscar nominated? I'm quite sure. Yeah. I'll look it up. Look right it up. Now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and especially too, because um, Strong Island from a trans filmmaker is not about trans issues or even right. LGBT or issues. Part, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like incidental that. Right. So they just, you know, they're a filmmaker and they got nominated for their film. That's amazing. Yeah, and I love that people were like, people, like voters probably didn't even know. Um, the other snub that I was bummed about before I get into like happier yeah, yeah. things was that um, I really held out hope that Oakja would get in for visual effects because they're so good. It's so good. I want a super pig. But they Ocho. went with like Kong Skull Island and Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> 2. Which I already shared with Matt. But when Andy Serkis said Kong Skull Island, I thought it was a joke and he meant King Kong because I forgot that <laughs> Kong Skull Island was like a movie that came out this year. But Yep. What ups? Did what he? Ups. He didn't. That would be weird. He didn't motion capture Kong. No, it was Did actually Toby, Tony Kebbell. Toby Kebbell. Okay. Yeah. Who was also in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
and also Octo. was um, um, in Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's right. Rise, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, was the like villainous? The villain one that we really super really creepy. Up, yeah, yeah. We really really liked. And we liked his performance in that. So he had ape experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the idea of that being on his resume. Well, can I just really quickly yep. do a couple of my like ughs? Yes, please. Because I wrote down things. I bet um, I know one. Well, so in both costume design and production design, which there were a lot to choose from, why Beauty and the Beast? Production design I'm okay with. Well, even, both I'm no, kind of okay with. I'm not. They're cheap looking. I mean, costume, I remember yeah. costume, it looks like like a stage show. It looks like the stage show, which is like... It looks like a Disney movie, like on acid. No, not even acid, like, just... Like, on, like Cinderella. Like with eight shots of adrenaline come to life. Cinderella. And like, mm, Cinderella. Stuffed in a dumpster for a few hours. Cinderella looks like a Disney film come to life. Mm-hmm. But they were beautiful and gorgeous and you had Kate Blanchett in that like lime green mm-hmm. suit. Like, Was that even Disney? Yeah, that yeah. was Disney. Okay. That's I'm impressed. Their, yeah, yeah, no, like yeah. Cinderella, again, it's hyper-realized, like it... Whatever. But Beauty and the Beast legit just looked co- like cosplay versions, cheap cosplay versions of the animated film. At which point, why? So, like, do something different. And her dress was... That gold dress, which needed to be, like, a showstopper, was some woo-woo bullshit yuck. <laughs> and I, I think say it's this just... as someone who's like, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite animated film of all time. Mm-hmm. No way. Don't, give me, don't come at me with that trash dress. <laughs> do not come at me with that trash dress. It looked like the dress she wore as Hermione in the fourth Harry Potter movie, Ooh, which was appropriate ball. because she was like a 14-year-old going for her first ball, and it worked yeah. then. It is not for the climax, the like romantic climax of your film. Get out of here. I think it's just... Get out of here with your cheap-ass production design <laughs> and cheap-ass costume. The design category, like Big branches always go boom. for most equals best, so I was certainly not surprised by both of those. But I think the Big production boom. design is okay. Big I um, <laughs> But on both of those design categories... I was predicting it. Darkest Hour would get in, but for yeah. costumes, really? I know why. That? Okay, it's why not? Just standard. Yeah. I mean, also especially for like when you had like the, the Greatest Showman, like come on. Mm. Another one where most equals best. I'm into that tacky business. But you know what? That one was a little less cheap ass looking than Beauty and the Beast. So that's all I'll say on that. Beauty and the Beast, get the fuck out. No, 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 no. <laughs> um. Where else? Oh, well, I already talked about my, ugh, um, Woody Harrelson. I think Itania in editing, probably. Yeah, I, well, I had Itania for, I said, what for editing? And I said, why for three billboards? Because even if you predicted it, I don't think it deserves it. No, no. Um, and then I also like, ugh, the three billboard score. And I love Carter Burwell, but. Yeah, only a second. Nomination. Like, what even was that score? No, thank you. Those were yeah. my, my us. But speaking of score and a big yay, really, really glad that Johnny Greenwood got in for the Phantom Thread. Yes, especially after you know being disqualified or Oof. not eligible for There Will Be Blood, which is a fantastic score. Yeah, you know. And Phantom Thread is so gorgeous. Ago. I've been listening to it like nonstop around my apartment as I've been like, loudly pouring water and putting butter on toast. <laughs> loudly, yes. Yeah. While we're talking about music categories, one of my like. Oh my God, thank God. Yes. <laughs> like heart emojis 1,200 times. So glad that Sufjan Stevens got in for song right. for Call Me By Your Name. I think it's the wrong song of the two that were eligible. But, sure. uh, oh, good choice. Yeah. Thank God. I'm glad Call Me By Your Name got at least one below the line nomination. Yeah. I loved, I think it was like Richard Lawson from Vanity Fair and the podcast Little Gold Men. He tweeted something about like if you went back and told the 2002 
version of myself that Sufjan Stevens would be an Oscar nominee. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. For a gay love <laughs> for a gay, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a gay, like, yeah. For a gay film that yeah. also got nominated for Best Picture. Um, yeah. Also on Call Me By Your Name, I'm just so happy that it didn't carol, which is like, you know, a, a gay love story from an out director being presumed to be in the Best Picture race missing like Carol did a couple years ago. Yes. So glad it got in this. Wait, Luca Guadagnino is out. Yeah, yeah, he did not get it. Okay, so what I can't bad. what I can't ever remember is if it's Luca who's not out or if it's the writer of the book who's not out. Well, the writer of the book. No, 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 no. I thought you meant out of the novel. He is an out. Yes, he's gay. He's a gay male. Luca is gay. But I'm the just writer of the novel is not gay. Andre yeah, Asaman is straight. a straight male. Yes, apparently. And so I don't mean yeah. not out. I mean he's not gay. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. Yes, mm-hmm. and but, has been a criticism of the fi- of the book. Not the film, but the book. Yeah, but I've also heard more than a handful of people who love the book so much. Oh that yeah, I mean I don't know, I haven't read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is always kind of the case with that. But um, speaking of things that made me really, really happy, especially since I just watched it last night, and it was one of my favorite things about the film. So again, super well deserved, but also history making for the first time in the ninety fucking year history of the Oscars. Rachel Morrison was nominated for cinematography, making her the first woman ever in 90 years to be nominated in that category, which is great. Which is the last glass ceiling for gender at the Oscar, like besides obviously actor and supporting actor. That was, I guess, the only category where a female had never been nominated, nominated, which is crazy. And it's also really well deserved. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, you could take any still from it and like put it up (laughs) in a picture, a painting as you're always obsessed with. I mean, it's really stunning. Oh, it looks like a photography exhibit, that movie. Yeah. But I mean, I will say because people don't always think about this, I don't think that a huge part of that no nomination until this point is that women weren't given the job. Of course. Oh, of no, course. I don't Which mean, is not... Which, I which should, is horrible. Which I should always say, when I'm outraged, it's not necessarily about, like, the Academy because I don't... I think the, the Academy is responsible only in some... T- I think the Academy is sometimes responsible in that they tend to judge, like, films about women or films that are a comedy or films that are romantic, they tend to judge them as lesser, which is a gendered perception. Mm. So that is something that is on the Academy. But in some of these other, especially like below the line and technical things, it is an industry problem that the Academy is reflecting, which is that women just don't get these jobs. So it's a combination of the two. And definitely with cinematography, because if a woman were lensing these like masculine and best picture standard films, they would be nominated you know what I mean? It wouldn't be that they Absolutely. were perceived lesser because they were female. It's just that they aren't given the opportunity. They aren't given the jobs. They aren't seen that's a job that's perceived as being like Especially because when man. voters, both at the nomination stage and the winner's stage, are voting on nominees, even for Best Director, yeah. they don't see the person's name. No, you name, just see the film. Which might, again, not help R- poor Roger Deakins, speaking of cinematography. He's nominated for the 14th time for Best Cinematography for Blade Runner 2049. Uh, and you know, voters don't see his name next to yeah. next to the movie. It, yeah. It's not a best picture nominee. He might lose again. Yeah. We'll see. So yeah. So that that also, I mean, yeah, adds into that. And and just to go back to like the things of the Academy, that's why this year I think is so astounding when you look at the best picture nominees, is that like Lady Bird is unapologetically a female story, and it was like 
even if this was still a year of only five, I think Lady Bird would be in. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's that's huge. Phantom Thread is a feminine film. Like he is called Very. out. He is called yeah. out on his moments of toxic. Fe- like that's like what it's about. Toxicity. Yes. Yeah. It's like two super strong, interesting women are really the anchors to his performance. He works in a very like perceived feminine field, which mm-hmm. is that of mm-hmm. a dressmaker. Like again, very feminine feel. The post. It's not a particularly masculine film, and again, the more masculine characters are kind of called out for their bullshit. Like mm-hmm. it's the femininity that we're supposed to be responding to. The Shape of Water is unapologetically romantic about a woman being very frank about a woman who is in her 40s, who is not like, and I love you, Sally Hawkins, but is not like Margot Robbie, right? She's not like a bombshell. And it's about her sex life and her sex drive. She's also a disabled woman. like, And it's about like, these are things that are usually stories that the Academy would not deem worthy just by their subject matter alone. And the fact that they got into best pictures and some of them are front runners. And that all, except for maybe Christopher Plummer's performance, they've all been in the works for years. It's, yes. it's not like this is just an immediate response to, no, not at all. to recent you know, And news. they're all deserving. So yes. they're in some ways, at least in my mind, they're immune to the token argument. Well, right. I mean, people will still make that argument because they always do, but right. they're all such high quality work yeah Mm -hmm. again it's like so that's what i mean by being like a balance is the perception of what we see as award worthy for sure now i just need to give my little ted talk about how the most acting isn't necessarily the best acting and then we'll be all good at the oscars that's a different that's a different podcast (laughs) that could be a three hour class (laughs) that you can charge for but I have know, to just say one thing yes. about three billboards. And by one thing, I mean three things. <laughs> oh, yes. So we it's very easy to shit on it. And none of us particularly like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, obviously, if you love it, fine, great. Back it up. Explain to me why you love it. Mm-hmm. Except don't talk to me because I don't like people. <laughs> but um, Theoretically. What I would say is one of the better, you know, pieces of film criticism or film analysis that I've read recently was by Wesley Morris in the New York Times about yeah. Three Billboards. And I think anyone who has seen the movie should read that, regardless yeah. of their feelings, because it's so well argued. Yeah. Ira um, Madison actually has a really good piece about it, too. Excellent. I haven't read that one. So yeah, on the Daily there you Beast. Go. But I also think the monumental hubris and pretension of this film <laughs> really lies... In their determination to not capitalize the word outside. Because, (laughs) oh, it's a preposition in this usage. Fuck you. It is longer than four letters. It is longer than five letters. Any style guide worth its salt (laughs) would capitalize outside because it is... A title? No, because it's... Well, yes, because it's in a title, but because it's like 15 letters long. It's like seven <laughs> letters long. But Question. <laughs> is that more pretentious or less pretentious than Darren Aronofsky's mother with a lowercase m and, and an, an exclamation, exclamation point. point? I'm always here for an exclamation point. You know, point. I think it's actually Rouge, much represent. more pretentious. I think <laughs> less annoying. Yes. The mother thing is more annoying. Yes. But the, the outside thing is just like... Someone trying to prove they've what like 
learned is that, from a grammar that a, lady. Is that in <laughs> any way like a By British a grammar thing? lady, I mean like a, it could be a school mom. Which is Irish, a, I guess. Well, here's what I think. Of... Here's what I think about <laughs> but... the pretension. I think it is okay in a time that we're talking about, right? The push for diversity, and people like to talk about tokenism. But the reality is, is when you have diverse filmmakers, and not just racially or by gender, but when you have filmmakers from different backgrounds with different life experiences, you get more vivid and more varied life experiences portrayed on film, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is the whole reason. Because we have, like, if you look at Best Director, for example, all of their films are very indicative of their life experience, and they feel very vivid and very different from each other. Every single one of those five directors, the films that they made. So it's certainly okay to tell a story that is not your own. Like Mm. Sean Baker, for example. Of course. Who did the Florida Project. And yes. also um, Tangerine. Tangerine. But what Sean Baker did was he immersed himself in the world that he was telling and tried to as thoughtfully, with, with as much research, with as much conversation with people whose life experiences he was sharing, engage on that so he could do it in a truthful way. Right? Which is like what you would... It's like the bare minimum of what you should do. Like <laughs> yep. if I were going to write a book about a world I don't know anything about, say about like a chemist. I would do the bare minimum to understand what a chemist's job is, do some research, make sure any scientific jargon I have is accurate, right? The bare minimum. Martin McDonough has never even been to the state of Missouri. And as someone who is... Do you, sorry, do you, I'm not... Do you know that? Yes. Okay. He has admitted that he has okay. never been to okay. Missouri. Good. No, I'm not, I'm not... I mean, not good, but... Yes, this is the thing that he has, like, almost boasted about, that he's never even been to Missouri. That's gross. And it's gross. It's really, really gross. (laughs) Especially in a time that we are, like, so politically divided, especially the idea of, like, middle America versus... And the fact that there are, like, all of these coastal, which I think that's usually, like, a bullshit critique, but the fact that there are all these, like, coastal people being like, oh, this is such an amazing snapshot of America. And it's something that's actually not. And I say this as someone who, like... My family's from Missouri. I've been to small towns. My mom teaches in a town called New Bloomfield, Missouri. That is who he's trying to portray, and it is not correct and it's not okay. Like, right. Right. And I think a lot it. of people are responding as if it's kind of like a farce, so it's okay that they're like caricatures, but then Which even more, more so, you need to, to know. Right. You need to know that world. Yeah, I like mean, Missouri is, is the home of Ferguson, the Missouri, and you're going to address race. Like, anyways, it's just really... Barely. I think that's barely, but yeah, I think that's what really offends me generous. about that movie, is that even if it didn't work for me, whatever, like, the fact that he could not... That he chose to set a film about people that he fundamentally does not understand and chose, purposefully, actively chose, not to learn anything about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Big that, Boo. Big Boo City. Agree 100%. And it, it bothers me about Frances McDormand, even though I fucking love her. Love. Yeah. It bothers me about anyone who talks about the film. It bothers me about yeah. this fetishization, that might be too strong, but of saying Missouri. Like, they're so fucking proud of themselves for saying Missouri. Like, that makes you understand Missouri. Yeah, and that they sort of narratively in the awards season have kind of co-opted the Me Too movement. And just because the film happens to have a female protagonist who's like kind of complicated... <sighs> Or even an antihero makes it 
a feminist picture or like something which, to root for. It's so weird to me. Which I'm sorry, and I know that we promised not to go on about three billboards. I know, but I, I brought it clearly <laughs> because obviously we'll be back next with like our top tens of the year, and this will obviously not be on there. And so, so we won't talk about it. And I just want to say because there have been a lot of thoughtful pieces. There is a thoughtful piece, like you said, um, in the New York Times, and I would recommend Ira Madison's piece for the Daily Beast. Um, and um, why am I forgetting his right name right now? Gene Denby from Code Switch had like a whole, which I'm sure you can find if you're more savvy than I am, had like a whole Twitter thread after he got out of seeing that movie, which he then articulated very well his problems with the movie and his approach to race in the Pop Culture Happy Hour episode that I would mm. recommend, um, which was also very thoughtful. But there have been a lot of things about its relationship to race and the problems with it, which I 100% agree with. But what bothers me is I haven't seen any pieces about the fact that this is a deeply misogynistic film. It treats every woman except for Frances McDormand's as a fucking dumbass bimbo. And that is no better portrayed than in three instances. One, Frances McDormand kicks a young, unnamed, no dialogue, high school girl in the crotch and it is meant as a laugh line. The theater laughs as we see a young girl get assaulted by our main character. And it's never called back. This is not then something that's then questioned about yeah, her behavior. Yeah, if it's addressed, that's totally Correct. different. It's not that it can appear. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, then there's the scene where we've only seen her be kind of a little bit ditzy. Um, Caleb Landry Jones' character's assistant. Mm-hmm. We see her be kind of ditzy in one scene. That's her one scene of dialogue. The second scene we see is a scene in which Sam Rockwell assaults Caleb Landry Jones, and then the button of that scene is her him punching this woman in the face. In the face, full out. Like, knocks her out, and then we never see her Yes. Again. We see his moment of reckoning with Caleb Landry Jones. We never hear about her. We never know, because she was clearly hospitalized. I'm sure he broke her nose. Like, that was the shot, was this woman being assaulted. And then the 19-year-old, like, girlfriend of Frances McDormand's ex-husband, where we know, we see this man be abusive towards her. And then the scene's tension is cut by, like, look at this young girl, she's so dumb. And the film, at various points, invites us, the audience, to laugh at this girl for being stupid. Oh, that's the point. That's what he wants. Oh, oh, and there's the black female token character who is literally a prop and a narrative device and has no personality of her own. It's fucking misogynistic. Which that aspect... And that's why when people are like, this is the Me Too movie of the moment. Like, fine. If you like it, if you want to do it, that's fine. But it is a deep misunderstanding of what this film is. Yeah. As someone who is like like, moved by the Me Too movement, has several of my own Me Too stories, this is definitely not the movie for me. Yep. And all those aspects, especially the end, just the... like. I'm almost okay with... If you want to treat it like it's almost a farce and these are caricatures that can explain or excuse some of it, but it's just on an artistic level, as someone who's a movie lover, and that's why I love the Oscars, I just think it's a mess and not very good, so I don't understand why the industry has fallen in love with this movie. I think it can be a way to address these issues, but that was not the way that this film addressed the issues. And I would say what really bothers me too, in addition, yet another marginalized group of, you know... Oh, how they handled uh, Peter Dinklage? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh my God, okay, yeah. and I, you know, this is something, the disabled community, or I, I actually don't know the proper term. It's not for really like, a disability, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, like, um, a marginalized, know, a marginalized community, I, I know, I know, but like the SNL, you know, it's always okay to like make a joke about midgets as if that's 
inherently funny. Yep. But not only that, that's all there is to his character. Yep. How fucking insulting is it to Peter Dinklage as an actor? I know. Yeah. Especially him personally, but any actor of small stature, like yep. w- really, that's that's where that's the lazy ass take you're gonna have yeah. on this. Which is why I'm surprised, particularly that actors have gone for it, and that it won the Screen yeah. Actors Guild Award for that it was even nominated for Screen Actors Guild for ensemble. But the small silver lining is that the Oscars vote for Best Picture on a preferential ballot, yep. and I think there is enough people who think like we do and aren't going to have it near the bottom, oh. and it's not going to be able to win. Also, that Octavia so. Spencer Shape of Water means that Shape of Water has a lot of support. Oh yeah. Like I mean, we knew that it, it was going to get all the tech, all the yeah. technical ones, but the fact that it managed to get in because that was the one that it didn't get in for SAG oh. for Octavia Spencer. And that, to me, says, like, I mean, they literally nominated that film almost every single place that they could. Yeah, the could. only place conceivably it was maybe predicted was Best Visual Effects, which both that and Dunkirk didn't make it, so there's no Best Picture nominees in Visual Effects. Right. But it's also, you know, that was more like supporting Yeah, and I think, I think there's also, like, for me, even personally, I would be confused for Visual Effects on Shape of Water, how much of it was Visual Effects and how much of it was, like, really makeup. great makeup. Right. For Doug Jones's character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyways, yeah, I'm holding out hope. I mean, obviously my heart is torn between Lady Bird, Get Out, and Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. And none of those will win Best Pick, but I... I don't know. I still think there's a chance for Lady Bird. There's a chance for Get Out. With the weighted. With the... Yeah. Yeah. We never know. Also, can we just end in a nice way? hmm The animated film, it's pretty obvious Coco is going to win. Oh, yeah. And Coco... Is a fantastic movie. So good. Yes. It is Should a be in warm best picture. embrace. Speaking of a film about a culture that, well, one of the directors is Latino, but the other is not. And it is a film that a wide range of animators did extensive research to capture. From everything I've heard in this, obviously, like, I don't know, it is not my own culture, but I've read a lot of articles by Latina, Latino writers and film critics and stuff like that. That seems to pretty respectfully capture what is often a maligned holiday and misunderstood holiday Mm -hmm. in a really beautiful way so it's a beautiful film oh my gosh it's astounding I would say this just like reveals my privileged and insulated perspective I would call it very bizarre and weird because I'm coming from a place of like white midwesternism right but it's so it's so authentic yes and feels like it's also frankly a story that we don't see very much which is like honoring where you come from and considering animated and considering especially like your elders the fact that the whole emotional thing hinges on his great-grandmother coco like when do we ever see an elderly person and their worth in this world and their autonomy as a person in the sense that they have a history as a child as well like we never see that explored and it's explored beautifully in this animated film so if nothing else 2018 will have coco 
That will definitely Oscar. win at least one Oscar, probably Amazing. two. I hope it wins for And song spoiler too. alert for our top ten podcast, Coco is aging very well. Oh, you may mind. hear more about it. That's probably when you'll next hear us oh. is our top our like year in review stuff. We're definitely gonna do yes. a top ten list, of course, which will be a two parter because we like to go on and we will be super wasted as, as we, we went are. On, on just the Oscar nominations. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely do something about maybe the performances of the year and then uh, we'll let you know, you know, keep watching the site for our fourth annual Cinemunchies. Uh, for all our extra little categories. But yeah, that's... Um, Overall, a pretty good Oscar year. Not bad. I'm yep. not mad about a lot. Mostly just one film. <laughs> and there are a lot of films, like almost all of my favorites of this year are represented are somewhere. represented somewhere. And that is pretty fucking awesome. Good on you, Oscar. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon. Adios. Bye.